0: started a new series over the next 2 weeks called Life in Circles. And you're going, "What is that?" Going around in circles. What is he talking about? I'll explain that over the next few services, but I want to start off this morning. I'm going to read you some scriptures. They're not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read them out loud to you, and I want to see if you can figure out what all of these scriptures have in common. There will be a test after the end of the reading, so please don't go to sleep. Be awake, be alert, because I will ask you a question. Here we go. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and prayers. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. Acts 2.46, NIV, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Acts 5.42, NIV, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Acts 3.1, King James. And now Peter and John went up together into the temple during the hour of prayer. Acts 4.24, NIV. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Acts 4.31, King James. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and the spoken the word of God with boldness. Acts 20 and verse 8, and there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. Romans 1:12. that is that I may be comforted Together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. I think you're starting to get it. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.10 in the King James. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Ephesians 2.6 NIV. And he has raised us up together and made us sit Together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2 22, NIV. And in Him you are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his Spirit. Philippians 1, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, and that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love. And then the last one, Hebrews 10 and 25 in the NIV, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see that day approaching. Well, any guess at what those scriptures had in common? It was the word what? Together. Oh, let's say it together. It was? Together. 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 you remember this point. It is. We are designed to do life together. If you look at the book of Acts and the epistles, all 16 of those scriptures came from the book of Acts all the way through the epistles. And if you think about it, oh over and over, they did life together. I'm here to tell you, there's just some things you cannot do by yourself. That's right. You cannot have a traffic jam in Manchester by yourself. That's right. you I proved that the other day. We we came from a place and we were driving and we hit 5:30 traffic in downtown Manchester at Dean's Gate. And how many of you know? I had a traffic jam together. Yeah. And I'm sitting here, and I've been waiting at this roundabout, it seems like forever, (laughs) and all of a sudden, I'm thinking, okay, when that car moves, I'm sliding in, and I slide in, but the problem is not everybody else slid in either. (laughs) And I'm the only guy on the backside. it's one of these three-lane roundabouts, and I'm sticking across it like a stop sign. If anybody's ever done that besides me, the American is sticking across, and I have completely stopped the traffic across. Oh, my goodness gracious, we got a traffic jam. And a few horns. But you, well, a few horns too, yes. But how many know... That you cannot do that by yourself. Do you realize you cannot have an argument by yourself? You cannot have an argument with me, myself, and I. If you do, please tell us after service and we'll pray for you. (laughs) No, it takes two to tango. It takes two to have our... It takes two. It takes more than one to do certain things. That's right. In the body of Christ, it is very, very evident that God designed us to do life together. You're supposed to be together, connected. And I love point number two that we see from the scriptures. And point number two is this. Our life together is to be done in unity and harmony. Amen. Harmony.
1: <laughs>
0: Pull out an old Beatles tune. But I'm here to tell you, life was meant to be done together. But I'm here to tell you, we're not supposed to be like those cats. You know those cats that they tied their tails together, threw them over the clothesline together? I'm here to tell you, they didn't want to be together. There was no unity. There was no harmony. They're scratching each other's eyes out. Now, I won't say that, but I love dogs. Cats, I tolerate. I'm going to ask Jesus why he created cats. (laughs) See, the thing about it is, unity and harmony and oneness is what is supposed to be a part of the body of Christ. We are a family. We are God's body. We are His army. And we're to live together in unity and harmony and oneness. Yes. Jesus even said, Jesus said this. He said, Father, I'd pray that they'd be one just like we're one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they're one in thought, they're one in voice, and they're one in action. Amen. Jesus never gets up and says, You know what, God, I, I, Father, I think we ought to do it this way. You no, know, he said, What my dad says is what I say. And the Holy Ghost is going to confirm with power and demonstration what he says and what I say. When my wife and I are together in one, it's amazing what God is able to do. So we know we're supposed to do life together. We know it's supposed to be in unity and harmony. Now, point number three, hope you'll write this down. Life together in unity and harmony brings power. It brings ability. It brings might. It brings demonstration into your life. See, my wife and I this week, when we got the the reminder uh, about the offering coming up for our building over there in Studio 4, we prayed together. We spoke to the Lord together about, we asked together what to give. And we believe because we're in unity and we've brought it together, there'll be power, there'll be demonstration release because we're doing it in harmony and unity and oneness. See, that's how God designed us to be. And if we go back to one of the scriptures that I read, over here in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, This is the New King James Version, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. See the life together that we get to enjoy in the body of Christ, it is a supernatural fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. So Thank you. For, I'll come over here and preach to my brother Dave. He got it. Go on, go on. Amen. Did you realize that this life we get to do together in church at World Harvest Bible Church as believers, this life that we get to do together is a supernatural fellowship by the Spirit of God. Amen. Let me continue to prove that out to you. Over here in First John one three in the Amplified, it's up on the screen. What we have seen and heard, we also proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship as partners with us. And indeed, our fellowship, now catch this, I love this part. Our fellowship is the distinguishing mark of born-again Christians. Yeah, that's true. Oh, did y'all catch that? Yeah. Yeah. Our fellowship, which is the distinguishing mark of born-again believers, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That word fellowship is a really interesting word. It is the Greek word koinonia. Everybody say koinonia. Koinonia. I'm not sure if that's how you say it in the Greek, but you just said it, and I said it, so we patent it. Koinonia means this. It's a great word. It means a unity, a close association, participation with one another. Koinonia is a unity brought about by the Holy Spirit. Koinonia cements the believers to the Lord Jesus and to each other. See, the fellowship that the early church enjoyed, the fellowship that you and I get to enjoy, it's a supernatural unity, harmony, participation, and closeness that is produced by the Holy Ghost. I cannot have koinonia with an unbeliever. That's where the amen goes. That's right. Everybody, y'all get ready to amen this point that I'm about to make. You cannot have koinonia with an unbeliever.
1: Amen.
0: Actually, it's amen, isn't it? You cannot have koinonia with an unbeliever. Amen. amen. Yeah. You cannot have that spirit-connected fellowship with somebody who's not a part of the body of Christ. Yeah. And what the early church understood... They understood that they get to have that they got to have a participation, a connection, a fellowship with God the Father, and with each other that was supernatural. Mm-hmm. Amen. And it produced supernatural results. Amen. It, redu- it produced spirit-filled results. Yes. See, I think it's very important that each and every one of us value our participation and our fellowship in our local church, in our life groups, and, and when we get together in teams and serve, because what we're doing is we're getting together in a supernatural relationship that produces supernatural ability, supernatural might, and supernatural power. Amen. I never despise the assembling together of the saints, mm-hmm. whether it be in church or whether it be in the house because that's what the early church did. They met in church, they met in the homes, and they preached the word continuously. Amen and amen to that. And that was the beauty of the early church, and that was the power of the early church, and that's the beauty and the power we're supposed to see here at this church and every other church around the world today. You know, in the Bible, in the book of Mark, chapter 2, We see an amazing story that I think really reflects what I'm talking about. In this story, Jesus is in a house and he is preaching the word and it says the power to heal was present to heal, but nobody was getting healed. I mean, the place was packed. And there was no room for anybody to get in. And then there came four guys bringing a friend. It was bring a friend day to see Jesus. It was B-A-F. And I mean, they brought their friend. And when they got there, it was packed out. Yes. Yeah. They couldn't get in. And then they had this great idea. They, they saw a ladder. And they said, let's climb up the ladder and let's rip off the roof and let's lower him down. Uh-huh. And they did. They literally got up with a paralyzed guy. Said their friend had the palsy. If you look it up, just means a type of paralysis. And obviously he couldn't walk because they're carrying him on a stretcher. That's right. So imagine you got these four guys with this guy on his stretcher on their shoulders coming in, climbing up a roof, pulling off. And then they begin to lower him down. Yeah. And it said Jesus seeing their faith. Everybody say their faith. Jesus seeing their faith said, your sins be forgiven you, rise and be healed. And the man got up and he was healed and he was made whole. See, they were doing life in circles. They were doing life together. And I think three things occurred in this story that I think are very, very important. Number one, they brought their strength to his struggle.
1: Yes,
0: he did. Did y'all catch that? Yes. There was no way he could get to Jesus by himself. That's right. There was no way that he could get his miracle on his own right. that day. That's right. See, when you do life together at this church, when you do life in a life group and people really get to know you, all of a sudden they bring their strength to your struggle. Folks, we all have struggles. That's right, we do. We all have opportunities, and we all need help. Yes, we do. You know, years ago, I shared with you, my first wife passed away. She went to heaven. And she was sick for a a pretty good period of time. And during that time, my mother-in-law would come and stay with us, and she was amazing, (coughs) wonderful woman, helped us, but occasionally, she'd have to go back home and do business at home. And so when she was gone, I would struggle because I had to take care of my wife. I was still working my job. And then I had a little girl, a little baby girl that I was taking care of, feeding and doing all the things that go with that. But there was a lady in our church who saw my struggle And so one night on a Wednesday night, I'm at church. You know, I've got my wife. I've gotten her into church. I've checked my little girl into the nursery. And and I'm running around because I'm an associate pastor at a large church. i got a lot of work to do and a lot of things to do. And the lady walks up and says, you know what? I made you a casserole. (laughs) And I made you a cake. And they're in the kitchen refrigerator. Don't forget them. How many of you believe I didn't forget that? (laughs) I mean, I got everybody in the car and I made a beeline and got my cake and got... No, you can't have my cake. No, you can't have my casserole. (laughs) I took it home, put my wife to bed, put my daughter to bed, got my house in order. And at 10 o'clock at night, I warm up my casserole. I cut me the biggest piece of cake you've ever seen. I stick it on a tray, go up to the TV room and sit down and watch sports and watch football. (laughs) And for about 30 minutes... Her strength met my struggle. That was a supernatural casserole, supernatural piece of cake. I didn't tell her I needed it. I didn't tell her, hey, she could see what was going on in my life. And then every Wednesday night that my mother-in-law was not in town, she would make me a cake and that lady would bake me a casserole and she would tell me about it. And I would have an hour of heaven on earth from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock at night. So you cannot do life by yourself. She brought her strength to my struggle. It was such a help, and it cheered me up, and it helped me continue on my journey. Number two point we see from this story, they brought their faith to his faith. Everybody say this. He saw their faith.
1: He, he saw, saw their faith. faith.
0: Yeah, let's say that again. He, he saw, saw their faith. faith. Yeah, Jesus saw their faith, not just a man's faith. Mm-hmm. He was in faith, but they added their faith to his faith. Yes. Yeah. See, when we knew life as a church, when we come to life groups, and we do life in circles, all of a sudden you bring your faith to their faith, and they bring their faith to your faith, and all of a sudden now we've got corporate faith, that fellowship, that koinonia by the Spirit working, and I'm here to tell you there's nothing you can't accomplish. I think sometimes we think we're an island and I can do it on my own and thank God you have faith, but thank God I don't have to do it by myself. In any time in my life, when Paige and I have walked through opportunities, there's always been somebody who comes alongside us and adds their faith to our faith to complete the journey. And then number three, we see here the third point, they brought him closer to Jesus, You know, when we do life together, we bring each other one step closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I've been in the ministry for over 30 years. I've been a Christian now since I was 20 years old. I'm now 56, so that's 36 years I've been born again. But I'm here to tell you, every single day, I want to get closer to Jesus. I know I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. I know he lives and abides and resides in me. But in practicality, in reality, I want to be a little bit closer tomorrow than I am today. And what helps me get closer is you. His Pastor Allen, Pastor Claire, my wife, all the friends and all the different people around. You help me move one step to closer because we're in fellowship together and we're in fellowship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, one thing's about this. They brought him to Jesus, this man. So I got a couple questions for you as a result of this story. Who are your friends... And where are they taking you? Hello. (laughs) Are your friends taking you to Jesus or are your friends taking you to fill in the blank? (laughs) Amen. That's a question we must all ask. I love what the scriptures say. Over here in Proverbs 13 and 20, New Living Translation, we made our daughter when she was in the fifth grade learn this scripture in several translations. New Living says this, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools, and get in trouble. Oh, isn't that a good verse to give you kids? Amen. How about Proverbs 27 and 17? "Iron Iron sharpens iron, so friend sharpens friend. But a translation I like is this, iron shapes iron, so friend shapes friend. Oh, isn't that a good one? Your friends will shape you. Those that you have fellowship or koinonia with will shape you. 2 Corinthians 6 and 14 in the NIV says this, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? See, I can't have true koinonia with an unbeliever. I cannot have true coin and neal with somebody who's not walking in step with the Father. All of us are going to have Franks in our lives who are outside the family of God. That's friends, that's relatives, associations, neighbors, and kids' connection. I will not have true coin and with them, but that I'm called to minister to them and pour my life into them. I'm called to connect with them. I'm called to tell them my story and plant the word in them. And I am called to give them a God moment and bring them to church. I'm called to them, but I will never get the fellowship from them that I need to get closer to Jesus. Do I hang out with them? You better believe I do. (laughs) Do we do dinner? You better believe I do. But I realize when I do that, I'm a man on a mission. And my mission is to pour the truth that Jesus loves you, cares for you, and died for you, and I'm here for you. See, you are a light. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are a city set on a hill, and you are a bright light with what you say and what you do. But you have to realize that with those friends that God put you around, you're there to pour your life into them and bring them to have a God moment with Jesus. I've got several friends across the pond who do that. I've got several friends here that I've been watching, and I'm amazed at the connections they make with their kids, friends, and family from their kids. Hang out and then they kind of get together and they do life together and dinner together, but they're always pouring in to these people. I've got another friend, she's amazing. She's got all these friends out here who are outside the body of Christ, but she constantly is pouring her life into them and they're listening and they're slowly but surely stepping one step closer to Jesus. See, those outside the family of God, I minister to. Those inside the family of God, I receive strength from. Those inside the family of God, they add their faith to my faith. Mm -hmm. And those inside the family of God, when I get together, they help me get one step closer Mm -hmm. to Jesus. See, that's why our life groups are important. That's why doing life in circles, because it equips you and brings you closer to Jesus so that when you get outside of this house into the real world, you now are full of faith and strength and life and light, and you now are a light to the lost and then what they do is they follow you to church. They get born again on 6th of November, then they start coming to church, they go in to accelerate and find out who they are in Christ, they come in and get a part of a life group, get a pastoral care team leader who starts helping them and then all of a sudden they're now a part of the body of Christ and they start bringing people to church. And then they begin to experience true koinonia, true fellowship in the Lord. I believe there are three relationships each and every one of us should have in life. And those three relationships are found in the name of three individuals in the book of Acts. But the deal is, you've got three relationships that you ought to have. Number one, you ought to have a Paul. Number two, you ought to have a Silas. And number three, you ought to have a Timothy. Who's Paul? Paul's the mentor. Paul's the one who pours his life into you. Paul's the one who's just a little bit farther ahead in his Christian walk than you are. I'm always looking for people who are a little bit farther ahead than I am. I mean, I've been at this for 36 years, but I have not arrived. And there are other men and women of faith who are just a step above me, or ahead of me, and if I'll hook up with them and let them pour their strength and their faith into life, they'll move me one step closer to Jesus. But then you need a Silas. You need a guy. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Paul was not by himself. He had a partner. He had a friend. He had somebody who sharpened him, helped shape him, and together they stood in faith and saw a miracle. You do not want to be caught in this life alone That's right. you need a Silas you need a Mary, a Martha whatever you want to call it but you need somebody that you can go to and the two of you can grab hands grab together and take off and believe God Amen. to see victory in your life Amen. and then all of us need a Timothy his beloved son Paul's beloved son he said I have no one like Timothy he's my son he, he's got my heart, I poured my life into him if you've been born again more than a week, you need to find a Timothy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Amen? Mm-hmm. That was good preaching, Pastor Marcus. You're right. <laughs> you've got to find a Timothy that you can pour your life into. Amen. When I pour my life into somebody, all of a sudden I take my relationship to a higher level because now I've got to have something to give them. Yep. You know, I pastored a church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and I had a couple of Timothys, and I poured my life into those guys, and I saw them grow, and now I'm seeing them grow. One of them graduated from Bible school. The other one is getting his, his master's and Ph.D. in theology, and I'm here to tell you, they're flourishing in God. I had a Silas, a good friend, and he was my buddy, and he helped me. He'd stay side by side, shoulder to shoulder with me. We'd pray together. We'd believe God together. He was on our board at the church, and we stood side by side and believed God. And then I had a couple of Paul. A couple of ministers whose churches were maybe just a little bit ahead of mine at that time. Mm-hmm. And I'd go so skiing with those two guys. And I'm here to tell you, they were the greatest ministry seminars I'd ever been. <laughs> we'd be on the chairlift, riding up the mountain. And we'd just be sharing the gospel together, talking about church life together. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you, they took me and my church to a higher level.
1: God.
0: See, you are never meant to do life by yourself. That's right. Now, this is a very important point, and you need to get this. If we were meant to do life together, and it's God's will for us as believers to have fellowship and koinonia together, then it must be that it's not the will of the devil for you do life together. And if it's not his will, then you've got to be smart and realize he's going to try to separate you from your Pauls, your Silas, and your Timothy. See, Paul, he had another friend. Acts 13, in verse 2, it said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul. Of course, Paul was Saul. Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the ministry that I've called them together to do. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you it was an amazing ministry. They started planting churches. They started preaching the gospel together. Barnabas was called the son of encouragement. He was encourager. And they got through with their first assignment. It was a home run. They knocked it out of the park. It was amazing what they accomplished. Ah, but when you have a great success, the devil wants to show up and divide you and separate you. He wants to separate you from your spouse. He wants to separate you from your church. He wants to separate you from your pastors. He wants to separate you from those people. God has called you to live life together. And they fell into a trap. I don't know who was right, and I don't know who was wrong, but I know one thing, they were meant to do life together. Mm -hmm. And it said that the disagreement was so hot, that the disagreement was so fierce, that they separated themselves from each other. The devil really didn't separate them. They fell to the trap, and they separated themselves not be separated from my Paul I will not be separated from my Silas Mm -hmm. and I will not be separated from my Timothy and I choose to do life together in circles because it makes me better but folks that's my choice that's my decision I'm here to tell you we have an amazing church but the devil doesn't want you to go to church here. That didn't get much of an amen. That's true, that's true. You have a great life group and a great pastoral care team leader. You've got people. We have an amazing team of leaders in this church. I would take this team of leaders anywhere with me on the planet. They're called of God and they're anointed. But I'm here to tell you, the devil don't want you to do life with them. He wants to separate you from the very ones he's called you to. But you know what? The reason I believe the Father put the story in there about Barnabas and about Paul was so that you and I wouldn't fall into the same trap. Did y'all get that? So today as a church... We're unified and together. We value life in circles. We value life together because it makes us better. We value our pastors, Pastor Alan and Claire. We value this house. We value what God is doing in this place. And when we do, then that value flows to us. Did y'all catch that? Strength flows to you. Faith flows to you. You move one step closer to Jesus together. And I'm here to tell you, folks, we're moving into a strategic time or in a strategic time in the house or the life of this church. I want to implore you, don't ever miss a Sunday if you can. Be in the house of God. Don't miss your life group if you can. Because you're going to receive strength, you're going to receive faith, and you're going to get closer to Jesus. Because that's the way God designed fellowship to be. He's called us to koinonia. He's called us to fellowship. He's called us to do life together. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for life. We thank you for calling us together. Lord, thank you for not leaving us alone. Thank you that I don't have to do life by myself, but I get to do it with my other brothers and sisters in this house. Thank you that they bring strength to me. Thank you that they bring faith to me. And thank you, Father God, that I'm moving one stepper closer to Jesus every day because of my life together.